BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Oh, tonight we got them. Goldie, the Sulk, and JC. And it starts right now. Oh, welcome back to the 100th episode. Wow. Of a typical disgusting display, a podcast for writers by writers who hate writing. And we want to thank you, Franz, for, for listening last week to our to JC and our guest hosts. And uh, if you started listening last Monday morning, you should be just finishing up right about now. <laughs> so we appreciate your patronage. First joke of the day. First joke of the day. Honestly, well, no one else got to speak in my defense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he just from the jump has monopolized everything. <laughs> it's funny, JC always says Goldie freaks out if he doesn't get it. I'm like, no, he doesn't, do but there he is. That. I don't freak out. Yeah, it's okay. just who you yeah, know, we've done a hundred of, of these out. now and, and it's but yeah, and you, for you, some you got, reason you get to speak first every time. We never voted on this, but you get to go, Welcome back. Well, I'd like, you know, maybe I'm, once, maybe I'm once I would hand. like to say maybe once I would like to welcome everyone back. So so of the 100 Welcome episodes. Welcome back, everyone. <laughs> the second joke Good of the day. Second you. joke of the day. <laughs> see, that's funny. Um, but of 100 episodes, I'd say you have first joke of the day maybe 92 times, but somehow not maybe enough. Maybe more. Not well, you've for you. railroaded us from the beginning of each episode with your welcome back. And I, you know, so I got to do something to get on everyone's radar. Yeah, you're there. You're on everyone's radar. But Goldie, let's talk for a little bit about the guest hosting show because I thought they did a great job. Yes. Thank you to Mike Scully and Aaron Lee who yeah. were excellent. And Aaron pointed out rightly that we always praise Mike Scully and we always will. So yes. let's praise him twice and Aaron only once. But they were <laughs> they were both awesome. And John and, Viner. And Viner, that yeah, came amazing. on as a guest and he had great stories. He was really funny. And of Very course, he's, he's got the voice. Look, here's know. what I'd say about the episode. Yes. They found their footing. <laughs> they did. I mean, very quickly. I, I think Goldie and I were secretly hoping, what, that they would take it away from us. <laughs> what? Just be like, I wouldn't let that We're happen. still going. Uh, but a couple of, a couple of corrections. Um, first of all, it was nice of Viner to bring up 
Goldie, your very funny masturbation joke, but he mangled it. Yes. I, he got yeah. the wording wrong. So, Goldie, I would and like I to give you laughed. the opportunity to correct, to because it's funnier the yes. way you do okay. it. So I, I'd love to hear it. I'd also like to point out this is a joke from maybe around 2008. Right. Yes. <laughs> right, Not right. a joke I wrote recently <laughs> and, no, but and it's, around town performing. It's, it's not something funny. I've said on stage in <laughs> 15 years. <laughs> but the joke was... Back then, uh, how gay is masturbation? I mean, you just jerked off a guy, and you both seem to enjoy it. <laughs> Might want to think about who you are. <laughs> I, I was missing Viner saying, and you both seem to enjoy it, which is just a great capper to that. Um, and also, Goldie, a bone to pick with you, because you sent in a question, which we both did, which I think mm-hmm. was very helpful, but you teed up John Viner for one of my stand-up jokes. <laughs> I mean, he's great at it. I mean, his his Michael McDonald s- impersonation is very funny, but that was that was my terrible stand-up joke, where I remember I'd get up and say, you know, it's celebrity cold and flu season. <laughs> and <then laughs> I, I would, imi- I would imitate, like, four celebrities. Who else would you do? Who else would you do? I, you know, it's funny. I was trying to think of that uh, for this exact moment in the... The only other celebrity I could remember impersonating sneezing besides Michael McDonald was uh, the huge celebrity that all of the kids are talking oh, about, no. Neil Sadaka. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I like there are certain things between you and Viner that always felt like shared yes, work that's... that I felt like you were always in the same neighborhood of doing that impression back and forth. And totally. I, I apologize, but I didn't. You don't have to. It set him up because he's he, honestly his Michael McDonald is much better than mine. So it was funnier hearing yeah. him do it. But it was then John could have mentioned, hey, this was Alex. I don't Joe think he remembers. No, he did. Um, so I'm going to ombudsman Viner a little bit here. <laughs> yes, and it's please. not that he he, he didn't get this wrong. There was a little bit of a glossing over of something that is very funny. OK. Yes. <laughs> Which is he mentioned Oh, I had been in a commercial and uh, the money was starting to run out. <laughs> yes. 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 So the commercial he had been in was <laughs> he was kind of loosely the spokes guy for Florida orange juice. Yes. Oh. And it was a national campaign and he yeah. was very good in it. But he, he worked was with, worked with a chimpanzee. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so he was in this commercial, and then it was like they weren't using it as much, I guess. They weren't running it as much, or they shifted away. The chimpanzee was now the star yes. of the end. I don't remember what it was. Right. But in any case, there was a very funny story where Viner went to a screening of the documentary The Lost Boys. Do you remember what that was? The yeah, documentary? The Sudan, the people from Sudan, right, who like uh, were orphaned and then had to walk across the desert to freedom or something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyway... <laughs> So Viner goes to the screening and one or maybe a few of the Lost Boys were there and recognized him from this orange juice commercial and were like, oh, my God, the orange juice guy. And they're really happy or whatever. And I I wasn't privy to the conversation, but whatever happened, like Viner started shifting the conversation toward like, yeah, well, you know, they're not using me as much anymore and the ads aren't working. And, and within... Five minutes, one of the Lost Boys was consoling Viner about his career and going like, it's going to be okay, man. You know, I'm sorry you're going through that. At a screening of the Lost Boys. Oh, my God. A, a, a guy who had wandered across half a continent to freedom, barely surviving. Suddenly, Viner was the victim. Yes. I loved it. 
<laughs> it wasn't built that didn't he I remember he showed us a picture of that night and the lost boy was like seven feet tall and Viner himself is also very oh, tall. Right. But yeah. it was just very funny because it was like <laughs> this guy with his giant. Yeah, who's arm. had it harder in this yeah. picture? Yeah. One of the lost boys or Viner. And yeah. according to Viner, it's Viner. Yeah. <laughs> that was very funny. But they did a great oh job, and Tom Gamble's bit as Morty was hilarious. <laughs> oh, what a drum solo I that know. was! And and Goldie, as you pointed out, Scully handled his his sort of uh, Bud Abbott side of the conversation in a very like old radio way. That gee, was Morty, why do you say that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was great, though. It was re- thanks again for doing it. It was very very funny. Yeah. So we appreciated that. Yeah. Uh, now, Goldie, was there something else you wanted to mention before we get into JJ's? <laughs> oh, well, I only am talking about this. And by the time you hear this, maybe it seems like such old news. But because we weren't on the air when this submersible went down, I just oh, right. wanted to oh, yeah. briefly address it. Yes. So <laughs> the only thing I know about boats is... <laughs> When you build one, it's supposed to float on the water. (laughs) That's like the number one thing about boats. So you can't go, I built this really great boat. It sinks really fast. Oh, no. Yes. That's not a boat. No, that's a stone. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You're just so, for everyone to lose their mind when it doesn't work out. Is a little irrational to me because the only purpose of a boat, even the Titanic was trying to float. It wasn't trying to sink so we could be at the bottom so everyone could look at it. It was trying to make from land to land and not be on the bottom. So to then go like, it's on the bottom, we should look at it, is absurd. But then there was on the news, and I know people were trying to... um, trying to make everyone feel better and to allay everyone's uneasiness about it. And, you know, they had people who had been on the submersible on the news saying, trying to be reassuring and say, you know, I think these people were at peace when they died. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Bitch, they exploded! (laughs) (laughs) Bitch! They exploded. <laughs> There's no peace. They exploded. Yes, they hella exploded. You, you can't go. You can't go. I was once at Windows of the World in the World Trade Center, so I'm I'm pretty confident as the 9/11 victims were jumping off, they were screaming "Wee!" because that wasn't the situation they were in. Because you were in a different one where it wasn't exploding. You can't go. You know, I've ridden and had comfortable rides in the back of an Uber Black, so. I'm sure JFK died in peace. It's a different situation. (laughs) Oh, my God. You know, JFK's ended up being an Uber pool. Thank you very much. Oh, gross. (laughs) Yeah, I also... uh, Yeah, go ahead, Goldie. You know, obviously, we we all want everyone to meet an end that isn't chaotic or distressing or disturbing or painful. But, like, the fact is, is... You also can't sugarcoat what happened, no. which is, bitch, they split it. <laughs> which is, bitch, they split That's it. That's so funny. I read something also that the, because, you know, there were a couple billionaires on there, and uh, 
some pretty funny memes uh, about that. You know, like <laughs> oh, it just said, like billionaires are good people deep down. You know, oh, that kind of stuff. Oh, <laughs> and just a, an exterior shot of the sub that said, "Alexa, play Air Supply," which I thought was very funny. <laughs> oh, but God. I also read that um, the that one of the billionaires sadly brought his 19 year old son yeah. on there, who didn't really want to be there. Um, and he his plan was he was going to complete a Rubik's cube at the bottom to set like some kind of Guinness oh, World Record yeah. when he was Whoa. down there. But you know what? Couldn't do much pressure. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. We're awful. My people. first thought when it was just merely lost, and I was serious about this. I mean, did no one say, hey, maybe we should just tie a string? <laughs> yes. Just tie a string a so really they know where you are. There, there's so much string in the world. You could have a very long string. Very long string. <laughs> and then there's none of this. Where the hell are they? It's like, well, yeah. just, you know, pull on the string. Follow the string. <laughs> I like that. String theory. And by the way, just to wrap up, uh, that that's funny about the sub stuff. Uh, humor and tragedy always, you know, right. it, hand it in bears hand. fruit. But to wrap up about the guest hosting, JC, you were excellent on the show. Oh, and yes. I noticed that you... Captain of the sub. You were more involved <laughs> in a way of keeping people on point, on task. And I noticed that, that oh. you were really kind of like herding the cats in the right direction. <laughs> That's very nice. But no, you did a great job. So thank you, thank you for that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Whoa, sweet Medicaid. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Um, and now let's get back into our submersible, <laughs> back in to Johnny Jokes. Whoa, they don't just sink, they also stink. Here's Johnny's. <laughs> uh, excellent, excellent, Ed. All right. Well, maybe you heard this. Some sad news. Um, Neo-Western author Cormac McCarthy has died at the age of 89. He gone! Services will be held in the friscalating dust light where the air smells of Kalitas and the Old South meets the West. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right, now I'm going to do a norm. All right. Here's a norm. He, he, he died when he flipped a coin and lost. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I don't know. Very good. No Country for Old Men reference. We love it. Hey, here's a norm. <clears throat> a Massachusetts woman has been arrested for stealing body parts from the Harvard Medical School morgue. Uh, the Harvard morgue is apparently filled with hands that have never fought, legs that have never run, and mint condition dicks. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
back into Johnny. Uh, <laughs> As July approaches, President Biden is getting ready for his summer trip. Uh, Biden will be saving the taxpayers' money as his trip is planned for the lip of the rug in the Roosevelt Room. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and finally, uh, UB40. Have you heard of them, Ed? Huh? UB40, the band, uh, announced that they will be going back out on tour for the 40th anniversary of Red Red Wine. Awesome. So come celebrate at their new show, UB40, We Be 80. <laughs> That was my first Johnny concert. You. My first Thank concert you. was UB40. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. How terrible. It was awesome. <laughs> okay. Well, <clears throat> I'm going to pick this baton up off the ground. Here we go. <laughs> well, everyone is talking about the tragedy of this group of men who suddenly imploded, but enough about the New York Mets. <laughs> oh, that's classic. That's great. Excellent late night. Yes. An attempted coup by Yevgeny Prigozhin against Russian leader Vladimir Putin has been temporarily suppressed. Yeah, uh, the situation is so chaotic, Russians are unsure which man is going to push the other out a window. (laughs) (laughs) Tough to know. Okay. Well, anti-vax presidential candidate RFK Jr. has challenged Joe Biden to a push-up contest. Oh. But Biden's pretty sharp. He challenged RFK to a polio off. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Okay. I have a gut filled. Oh, great gut filled. I don't even even really know what his voice sounds like. That sounds right. That sounds right. (laughs) Well, the summer box office has been a disaster. As even the much anticipated Flash movie starring the non binary Ezra Miller (laughs) bombed at the box office. Apparently, the Flash is so boring, even the woke mob fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good delivery. <laughs> well, you know, he thinks non-binary right. is a joke, so yes. he pauses. Pronouns. Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. And I'm going to end. I got And finally, a norm. All right. Yeah. It's going to be hard to, to match mint-conditioned dicks, but here we go. All right. Well, San Francisco is now a drug-fueled nightmare But the mayor says there is economic hope for that city. An upcoming giant Jehovah's Witness convention. (laughs) Apparently the plan is 10,000 crackheads will say, I gotta get the fuck away from those people. Uh, those were fun. I, I should spit my gum out, but it's so good, I don't want it. What, what is it? Is it um, uh, Mentos, Mentos Spearmint, which is I like... I That's your number one. Is that your favorite gum of choice? It is, and I'm, I know a lot about gum. He does. He really does. I, does. I really do. He's, been, he's not kidding. So then I have a question going. for you. Hold on, yeah. Goldie. Yeah. Have you rabbit-holed into Neuro gum? Uh, no, I'm scared of... Stuff that, that that's gonna send me into like a seizure or anything that's like not normal. What is neurogum? I mean, is it, are you talking about like it has? Does it have taurine or something? Or oh, wait, this is my favorite topic. Is a, like three days ago is this taurine supplement conversation? No, yeah. that's not what I was referring to. But like asterisk that, and let's talk about that later. Okay. No, neurogum, which is like mm, I don't know. This is gonna be some woo woo medicine. I'm gonna give you. So I love do it. not like hold me accountable for any of this. A TikTok science I'm about to give you. Um, apparently, apparently, you can go and buy Neurogum, which is gum that has 
nicotine in it, not tobacco, <laughs> not additives, nothing, just okay. a little bit of nicotine. And it's supposed to be good for your brain. Now, I'm not a doctor, nor have I consulted with one. This is some TikTok woo-woo science I'm giving you. Right. But apparently, it is somehow good for your brain. Pure nicotine. Not nicotine and tobacco. Not tobacco. Yeah. Just yeah. pure nicotine. Is it the gum you use when you're trying to quit cigarettes, or is it different no, from that? No, because oh. that's got other things in it. No. Oh. it's just You can buy it at, like, Costco. I mean, you can buy this thing anywhere. It's just it's like neuro gum. Okay. Mm. I'll I look I into that. Well, but I'm not yeah. promoting this either, by the way. Like, yeah. I think <laughs> no, be doing yeah. it right. I wonder how addictive it is. It's probably really yeah. Well, I imagine probably... really addictive. <laughs> yeah, nicotine tends to be quite addictive. I don't know that I want more neural activity. <laughs> <laughs> what I would like is like less brain activity. Yeah. Yeah, but why do you know about? Well, that was, I I saw in the news briefly that it's a longevity thing and I have my eye peeled on that and I go to a kind of like doctor who's, yeah, who's into that stuff. Although Uh, it's like what bald guy really wants to live to like 110. I'm obsessed with this this supplement. Are Uh, you doing it? Okay. Hold on a second. So today is what? Monday. I became obsessed with this supplement on Friday, so what? I'm now three days in, but I haven't committed to ordering it, okay? okay. It's sitting in my shopping bag. Yes. I decided mm. I needed to do an extensive amount of research on this Touring. thing. Yes, before, but can I tell you, like, my husband's laughing at me in the corner, and I'm trying to ignore him, okay? <laughs> So I apologize, because he's giggling. We're, la- making we're fun laughing of me. with him. <laughs> <laughs> well, look into the dose, though, because the monster apparently monster has like a thousand milligrams yes. and you're only supposed to take 10 or something. Right. So th- don't look at the energy drinks as like that version of supplement. But if you just go and find the purest of the things that they and just take a taurine, supposedly it is that. But also TMI, guys, I was like, this is going to help me with like my I like I've, I've self-diagnosed myself with things. Yes. Also, I'm a. I have a PhD in WebMD. Is what yeah. I have to say. Okay. Congratulations. And, oh, thank you, Alex. If you need any advice, I'm available. I'm like uh, 24-7, okay, concierge doctor. Um, I, I diagnosed myself with, like, I'm not processing fat properly, so mm. I need, like, an enzyme to help me digest fat, and taurine is how it popped up. And then all those articles about Red Bull Monster happened also. Yes. Oh, oh you well, have been done Now, first of all, we have to talk about not this on the, the show. Not the way this podcast so is supposed to go. No, 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 no. I, I love wanna, this. Yeah. Let me, let me just do a quick intro and we'll keep talking about this. But, you, you know, Goldie, I'll, I'll give you a little <laughs> tip here. Actresses like to hear themselves praised and introed and drum rolled. Okay, and she'll say no, no, no. But oh, my Alec, God. <laughs> Alec is talking nonsense. It's a very 2012 perspective on actors. That was a great year for her. On life. Be nice. Alec, give me a nice intro. Don't be a dick. Uh, Mila, I'm only going to be a dick in the interview, not in the intro. I promise you. (laughs) Oh, fans, we have such a treat today. We have just a bona fide star with us today, which is something unusual. Yeah, Goldie (laughs) and plus another star. Because, you know, usually we deal with the dregs and the depressed writers and all that kind of stuff. And it's fun and funny and we have a great time. But today, we have a legitimate movie star here to talk with us. Yes. We have our co-worker from Family Guy, our co-worker from TED, A-list movie star, Mila Kunis is here to talk with us today. Mila, thank you so much for being here. Why do you talk to me this way when we record once a week? 
<laughs> because we have our own thing. We have our own thing when you record. And by the way, how dare you say once a week? How about once a month? And <laughs> That's not true, JC. That's not true. Oftentimes, it once is once every week. three weeks. And you're I record in and you're on out. a Thursday for about 15 minutes a day. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. And you half of, half of the time on those records is you asking us, "Did you mail the checks out? When am I going to get the check?" <laughs> <laughs> no, Mila. Now we've been working together. You've been on Family Guy since basically the beginning, since 1999, second, and second season. season. And we'll get into that whole kerfuffle yeah. later. But. Um, you know, poor Lacey's uh, mistake was to your benefit. You know, whoops. <laughs> what are you going to do? But yeah. then, of course, w- where our bond really formed was on this on the set of Ted, yeah. where we had a blast. We had such a fun time in Boston, and you were so awesome in that movie. And I contend that you were absolutely the secret sauce for that movie. People talked about Mark Wahlberg and look at this teddy bear and isn't he funny? But look at what happened between Ted 1 and Ted 2. You weren't in Ted 2. It did not perform. You were in Ted 1. It went through the roof. So I know. Isn't it amazing how that happened? (laughs) Yes. Well, you were fantastic in that. And you are fantastic on Family Guy. And let's talk. Let's open with Family Guy because, uh, you know, you're such an important part of that cast. And I feel like Meg of all the characters on the show has actually had kind of the most development over the years. I feel like there was a decade maybe where Meg was just shut up Meg and, you know, kind of the, uh, the whipping girl for, for abuse. Okay. Go on. Yeah. But I'm saying now in the last like five or six seasons, you've had a lot of storylines dedicated to you. Yes. I have a theory. It's because you ran out of everyone else's storylines. Okay, <laughs> right. been on for so many years. Everyone's had their 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 day. Okay, everyone's had things to say, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Oh my god, we've ran out of storylines. We got this other character. Maybe she should speak." And oh. then that happened, and I was yep. like, "Wow, oh, look at this is amazing." I don't think anything's changed out, like because people still go, "Shut up, Meg!" all the time. Nobody goes, "Oh my god, that one episode." No, people just say shut up, make me all the time. My kids are like, what does that mean? Oh, boy, oh, no. you you really are Jewish to have that perspective. You're like, I think you ran out of stories for everyone else, and that's the only okay, reason well, I'm getting any Jewish time. Well, then, because you're you're finding the negative in it. You're instead of saying like, oh yes, my God, my my blossom is is here. I don't think you're that's just... negative. I think it's great that all the other characters ran out of storylines. <laughs> you're saying it <laughs> again. <laughs> I find that that's not negative. Okay. That was a definite positive twist on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah all right. Yes. Okay. Fine. Anyway, Mila, you're fantastic on the show. And one of the most fun things, you really have given Meg this character that I don't even think was intended in the first place. I think you you give her, even in the midst of kind of being stepped on and being the family joke, Meg has an edge that you bring to her. And now I, I want to know, how has this character developed in your mind over the years? Alec, it's so weird to have you be so nice to me. <laughs> Stop saying that. This is great. Keep, I'm, I'm like, is this a joke? Like, I don't know how to. <laughs> the like, look on your face. Stop yeah, exposing me. Because um, a part of me feels like you're fucking with me, but I'm like, oh, wait, no, I have to be I'm serious. not, Mila. Okay. Um, how do I treat the growth of this character? I have no control over this character. Like I am an anime. Like somebody asked me a question at one point about like the Meg's growth and like my growth. Yeah, in me life. just now. 
No, prior to you, oh, asking, okay, all right, like, got it. other and it was like my growth as an actor and Meg's growth. And I went, hold on a second, I have no control over Meg at, at all. I have no control over how she walks, how she what, what her, happens in her life, how she acts. All I can control is the booth and what happens in the booth. And so, yeah. what I think happened, my guess is I got more comfortable with myself and with chit chatting. And out of the idea of like who I became as a teenager, call it, right? Or my 20s. I think out of that came a different version of Meg is like who I like. I started Meg when I was 15. Yeah. 14. Oh my God. Isn't 15. that insane? Yeah. yeah. So I think I was just a different person at 15 than I was at 20. 20. I you mean, don't have, you don't have to give your real age. That's okay. <laughs> uh, do you know how old I am? Yes, I, I do. Because I saw it on Wikipedia. You've got a big birthday coming up. Oh, boy. Is that not crazy. I don't oh. know. I think it's crazy. I know. I... Anyways, moving on. Um, <laughs> but I think that just like I naturally became more confident and like honed in my own way of speaking and my whatever, like all the things that, that you do become as a person. And yeah. I and I give credit to the writers, I guess you and other writers. Um, <laughs> For, we fight him tooth and nail to get Meg involved, <laughs> honestly. But like, I think that there is a skill set, and I've said this about really great scripts and really great writers. And it, and I think it, it's you, you once you figure out your actor's cadence and their superpowers, and you write to their strengths, not their yes. weaknesses. I think magic can happen, and I think that um, when writers don't allow that to be explored, and they're just stuck in their ways, and they they're like, this is the way it is because I see it that way. There is no progression. There's no you know evolution, and I think that. To all the characters in Family Guy and to all the writers and Family Guy and directors, I think they allowed all the actors to grow and then hone in on their superpowers and write to that. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Although Seth Green never grew. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> oh, so uh, <laughs> I want to ask, I'm now making fun of him, not you. See, it's transfer. He's not even here to defend but himself. I know, he's not here. That's the key when I make, yeah, you defend him. So I want to ask a couple things about Meg, one serious and one kind of fun. Yeah. So the fun thing... One of our favorite things to do uh, when we know you're recording is to give you a song. I know. And so tell us how that makes you feel. <laughs> Does that make me feel good, Alex? <laughs> it's like no, my, you're my good. Friend, JC. You're better than you think you are. You are mute in all the records and you laugh. I That's not you. true. No, you're better than you think you are. That's not true. That's not true. Guys, we're not lying anymore. Let's just be honest. I'll get an email and God forbid I see like a link to an audio file. I'm like, oh my God, again. And I don't even want to open it. That's the truth. I never open it. I was like, I don't want to know what the song is. I don't care because I'm not going to be able to sleep at night. And then I'm going to try to pretend like I know how to sing and I don't know how to sing. So I'd rather just go in the booth and just do the best I can with what I've got. Many people have tried. Many, many people have tried to prove me wrong in my ability to sing. Yeah. From pop stars yep. to show creators to everybody, my daughter included. And I view notes as loud or quiet. Okay. Yes. That is, I don't know how you differentiate notes. I just differentiate volume. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I don't, but I can tell you when you're bad. Right. <laughs> yes. you? Oh, I'll tell you when you're off. I'm like, <laughs> not saying. So I can hear you. I have really good rhythm. 
but I provide just high noise, low noise. I would say, yeah, go ahead. We had, we had a session where uh, Patrick, our other engineer, was singing you the lines, or even Alec. It might have been Alec who was singing you the lines, and they are in a different octave. So you kept singing it lower, and I said, "Let me just try something," because I we're in the same octave, and I sang the line, and you copied it exactly. Oh, so I'm maybe just going to say, key. yes, is I will copy you. That's right. Don't make me sing, but I will copy. <laughs> like if you remember, I don't know if JC, you were around for this or Alex. I don't even remember. When did you start Family Guy? 2004. When did I start Family Guy? 1999. 99. <laughs> when did you come in? Oh, you came oh, in? I've come and gone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I told her that. Yeah. Revolving yeah. door. Early on, prior to all of you, McFarlane was certain. There is a recording of this somewhere. Certain that he could make me sing. And I think it was like, um, it was Sound of Music. Oh, what? <laughs> okay. I don't encourage this for the sake of the podcast, but just for your own personal enjoyment, see if you can find this file somewhere that I'm You're, sure it's. Do you remember what song? Farewell. Oh, yeah. A theater zane goodnight. Yes. Let's hear it. No. <laughs> One and a two and. Farewell. Okay. Here's oh, what makes That was good. good. That was good. <laughs> Yeah, that's about it as far as I get. Um, <laughs> he made me sing note. Or, or You know what? Just find it. It was look for it. hours of hell. He it just was made me. you sing one syllable at a time. Yes. Yeah. And he thought that I, like, instead of just making, this is when I had the conversation, make the Meg a bad singer. Like, yeah. Meg is just, let's make her a bad singer. She's that's just smart. not going to be Alex and she's not going to be you. She's just going to be bad. Like, yeah. because I cannot sing and this is torture for me. Yeah. Oh. Meg became... A bad singer. It was so That's fun. also the truth of kids, though, that you would go if if you and your spouse were both good singers, it's likely your kid would kind of, you know, confound you with that. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> yes. So yes. I'm okay with that as long as we're playing into the fact that Meg cannot sing. Like, it's okay if that's a part of the story, but, you know, yes. Well, my fa- my personal favorite, it was when we made a joke that uh, at the end of one episode that you were traded to American Dad. And yes. so then you had to sing the American Good Dad morning. theme that was song, perfect. But, but you didn't. You didn't know the words that as we wrote it, you didn't know the words. So you said "Good morning, USA," ba da 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 da, and the aliens wow, gay. Really- <laughs> <laughs> that was just a great musical <laughs> highlight for us. So please keep singing exactly the way you're singing because we love it, and we will keep sending you the music. But wait, do you remember in Ted, you made me sing. Yeah, what did you sing in Ted? I forget. I got cut out because I was so bad. <laughs> what? Uh, the character goes on a date. So I, I'm actually not sure. Somehow, I want to say Mark and I end up in a, in like a, you know, like karaoke a- Karaoke bar? I want to say, yeah, like a bar. Yes. And so I, I had to sing and I was so upset that day. I was like, I cannot believe you were making me do this now in a movie. I was oh. like, we haven't learned our lesson for all the years. <laughs> and now I have to do it here. Those were those were my favorite days on set. Days see if like I can that. Find it. Um, but let me get into a, a slightly more serious question about Meg here, because um, you have uh, noted to me, and I would guess to Rich and to whomever, a, a couple of times when you feel that Meg is guilty of cultural appropriation. Like you'll get some lines where you have expressed like you're not totally comfortable with the way that that Meg is speaking. So t- just talk a little to that. Like, how, uh, how does that, why are you laughing? 
because I know it's one specific thing, right? That are we referring to one specific cultural appropriation that Meg does in a whole episode? Well, I feel like honestly, for the last like half a dozen years or so, we kind of let Meg slide into this version of herself where she sort of will appropriate like kind of a more African-American style of speech. And you have pointed that out a couple of times. So just tell me about uh, like how how that makes you feel when you see that in the script and like what what your thought process is there. I mean... It's a Family Guy script, so I'm offended. One hundred, some something's gonna offend me at any point. Like I get to come in and not be like, "How is this gonna get on air?" I mean, I think I say it in every recording. I That's go, true. This is not gonna get on air. Like more so than that one, it was the the surrogate episode when she yes. was a surrogate. Yeah, I was blown. I was blown away by the dialogue. I was like, "I'm so because I found it to be so funny, but so offensive that it yes. was like." I couldn't understand how people were, but I, but I love offensive humor. So I want to say this. I love offensive humor. Okay. Yes, we know. Yeah. We know. I, I'm like, the fact that people are allowing family guy to still flourish in that environment environment, I think is a gift. Yeah. I never wanted to change. And I don't know if there could be another family guy today that True. would start off. Right. Yeah. But the, the Meg thing, it just makes me laugh because I'm like, how are people not offended by it? Like, I think right. it's more like, I just don't understand how people aren't writing and being like, fuck you. I can't believe you're culturally appropriating. Like, I'm just shocked that Family Guy's getting away with it. Not that I'm offended by it, but that uh, society is letting Family Guy get away with it. I think yes. most people, like 90% of people fall into silently being fine with everything. But we <laughs> yeah. hear mostly from the most offended people by right. nature yeah. and that like most people are like yeah tell your joke i get it's a joke whatever and then there's 10 percent who have an enormous microphone who are mad yeah yes and yeah. for good reason sometimes like yeah but but i look at family guy and i'm like here's the thing about family guys they offend everybody across the board and they don't they don't pick on one person or one culture <laughs> one ethnicity. they just go after everybody which is That's why it's true. okay it's not like you know i've made fun of my like family guy makes fun of everybody but I find it to be the only show that still is able to do that on television. Yes, and it, we've yeah. been grandfathered in, I feel like. I feel like people expect Family Guy to be this certain thing that luckily we're, we're allowed to keep doing. And to your point that we do, you know, I know that's sort of our, our shield. We're an equal opportunity offender. But it is true. And when you think about it, the person who gets shit on by far the most on the show is Peter. You know, I mean, we make him look like a total idiot week after week. He says dumb stuff. Like, we make yeah. him look like a moron. We make him seem racist, homophobic. And, you know, it's it's all over the place with him. But I would say to to your Meg uh, thoughts there, something that I, it kind of came to me the other night when I was thinking about this interview and thinking about that particular point, is this is Meg, like, think of Meg as this desperate girl who gets shit on constantly. So she is clinging on to anything that she feels makes her feel special or different in any way. So I feel like that's kind of like where that that sort of quote unquote cultural appropriation comes from. It's like Meg's desperate attempt to be anything. I also, yeah. yes, I agree. Yeah. I also think that sometimes in real life, Paying homage to a culture and today culture appropriation, it's a it's a murky line. Yes. Yeah. I go, I 
probably offend people all the time. Like I know I do. Like I have no, I, I know I do. Like I live in a very multicultural world bubble yeah. and I embrace it and I love it and I live it. So by me living it, does that make me a person who's now culturally appropriating? I don't even know anymore. Right. Like I'm like, right. a place where I'm like Lord knows I'm probably offending people daily. Yeah. Well, let's hope not. Right. <laughs> Certain things only, they exist more the more you're on the internet and that if, if you're not. constantly refreshing social media, then I think the concern over cultural appropriation is at a 10, whereas if you're just walking around in your daily life, it's probably at about a four. Yeah. Right. And I think yeah. intent is always important. I think we've lost intent. Or mm-hmm. yes. you know, My parents always told me when I was little, they're like, remember the source or keep yeah. in mind, like if your fr- friend tells you that's dumb, remember it's your friend. And right, they're just right. looking out for you. It's not like somebody who's, you know, so, so it was always like that. That's the one thing that I think we've lost sight of is like. No, they would say, remember the source. But how do you say that in Russian? I don't even know. <laughs> you don't know. You've lost touch with yourself. Dear. I don't know how to, um, how I can, I am very cool. Like I can have a conversation in Russian, but as far as like having an, uh, an educated conversation using words such as source. Right. Um, <laughs> Like that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, so let's let's go back in time a little bit to talk about that for people who who might not be familiar with your story, which is you came to the United States from Russia when you were seven. Is that correct? Seven and a half. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay, you got me. Seven <laughs> and a half. What are you, what are you seven and a half now? Counting. I'm seven and three quarters. I was ninety one, so I have to think back. I was like almost eight. So call right. it. So 91. So Goldie was fresh off his debate championship. I was about to be valedictorian. Okay, oh so let's, let, we're setting the stage here. Okay. <laughs> Goldie hates even the <laughs> reference to that. Um, but so- what, so I, I read a little bit uh, on this and I watched some interviews with you that your first year in the United States, you've totally kind of blacked it out because it was just such a tough time for you. Can you tell us anything that you might remember now about that culture shock? Well, you know, it's all perspective, right? Like, I remember having the greatest experience. My version was like, it was so easy and so fun. And my parents were like, you cried every day. (laughs) I "I (laughs) I have no recollection of it. I had the greatest time. For for me, it was easy. By third, fourth grade, I spoke fluent English. It was nothing. According to my parents, that's not the case. And when they came, it was really hard for me. And I didn't understand anything. And it took me a hot minute. Like my parents, again, I have no recollection of this, but they were like, yeah, your grandma, my, my, so when we moved here, it was my mom, my dad, my brother, myself, my dad's parents and my mom's dad. And so we all lived in the same apartment. Wow. A two bedroom apartment, one bathroom. It was six. To North Sweetser Avenue apartment. Oh my yeah, God. yeah, go visit uh, it, fans. <laughs> I know. Now I'm like, where's that? I mean, by the way, I was like, oh God, to buy that building and have it be like come full circle oh, would be yeah. un- yes. Yeah, just demolish um, it. No, I wouldn't demolish. Oh no, I, I'm just saying, do whatever you want with it. Um, so the whatever it was seven of us lived in this two bedroom apartment, and my some you know my parents went to work the next day, multiple jobs, went to night school, did that whole thing. So my grandparents would like take us to school, pick us up, whatever. And according to my parents, my grandmother would like show up to school with cookie with like chocolates or whatever to like bribe the children to be nice to me. Like oh, I have no recollection so of this sweet. though. Like I, I want know. you to know I had the greatest time. Like right. I have nothing, I have no issues with it. What are the sleeping arrangements in a two bedroom with 
the in-laws and the the parents get their own room or yes. okay. and then everyone else in the other room no my brother and i were in the living room on like a so this is it don't like i'm going to tell you the story but like it was great right like again i had the greatest upbringing yeah. <laughs> cross really sad but it wasn't okay, okay. it was lovely <laughs> um two bedrooms one bathroom our our furniture came from the salvation army so my aunt and uncles were here so when we came to the States, they like furnished the apartment oh. and they got all the furniture from like Salvation Army, like donations. Yeah. And, um, so our couch was like this futon like couch. A sofa bed? I don't know how to describe it. Huh? Sofa bed. A sofa bed. A pull out. I, it, it wasn't, a, it wasn't like something you pulled out. Oh, it was like oh. it kind of just flopped out. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Futon. Sure. It wasn't even a futon because it was on the ground. Okay. So okay. It was like a couch that just was like on the ground and then it went flop. And then okay. it was <laughs> Um, that's where my brother and I slept. Yeah. And then my mom and dad were in a room and then my grandparents were in the other room. Then my grandfather was able to get an apartment, like an assisted living type of an apartment. Yeah. And then like a year later, my other grandparents were able to get like an apartment. And then, uh, my brother and I moved into the second bedroom. Oh, nice. And my brother and I lived together until he went to college. Oh, cool! Because you were so used to each other. That's great. We didn't That's have great. A choice. <laughs> we had no choice. No choice. So now I was looking again. It was your first acting gig, a a Barbie commercial. My first acting gig, like a commercial. My first commercial was a Barbie commercial, and then my first show was Days of Our Lives. Maybe. Yeah. Awesome. The first movie I did. Was either Piranha or Make a Wish Molly. Was was know. acting your idea or your parents? Oh, my idea. This awesome. is not, I'm, I, I'm an immigrant. My parents are Russian Jews that immigrated here. Right. I was supposed to be a doctor or a lawyer. Right. Yeah. But so right. how does that happen? Like that you just come home from school with broken English and say you want to be an actor now and they just say, okay. I, okay, so here's another story. Okay. Yeah, please. I was nine years old and nine. Yeah. Nine. I was nine years old. And my parents were like, you need to like make some friends. This is their <laughs> story. And there was this thing that was interviewed on the radio at the time that was called uh, Beverly Hills studios. And mm-hmm. it was like an acting school. And they interviewed it, like come and audition. And if your kid gets in, then they get to meet real agents and they get to take acting yeah. Yeah, it was a money grab. <laughs> a thousand percent. <laughs> yeah. Barbizon. To, to my parents, it was like on a Saturday, six hours that I can be with other kids and like flourish and learn English, whatever, right? Yeah. So you go to this audition, everybody gets in. Okay. So <laughs> I get it. Um, and then they're like, okay, so now you need to write us a check for, I think it was like $700, $900 at the time. Oh my God. Yeah. And my dad goes, pass. And walks out. Like we couldn't even, like we barely had a dollar to our name. Okay. Right. right. He walks out. And till this day, if you talk to my mom, she'd be like, I don't know why. My mom just was like, had a gut feeling. And she was like, I'm going to write this check for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. That sounds like a marriage. (laughs) 48 years later, um, writes this check, comes in back in the car, tells my dad. My dad's like, blah. I go to this thing. My manager, who's my manager to this day, oh my so we're now going on 31 years. Wow. Um, was driving by 
one day and saw a gaggle of young kids standing outside of this place. And she was like, ooh, what is this place? Pulls over and they're like, we're an acting student. She goes, I'm a manager. Hands under her card. They're like, we're having a showcase, whatever it is, next Saturday. She's like, I'll be there. We're doing the showcase. My parents looked at me and they're like, look, this is you. You want to do this? This is, you choose, you pick the person. This is all on you. I go and meet with all the different agents and managers with my grandfather. We took the bus everywhere. And I met with Susan Curtis and I was like, I want to be with this lady. Wow. That's great. And that's what, what happened. But then throughout like my whole high school attempted collegiate life, my parents <laughs> would use this as the carrot stick. Like they were like, we'll take this away if you don't. This was not something that but they- But would you also be like, I mean, <laughs> when you start working no. and you get like Meg and you get that 70s show, are you kind of looking at them like America's really easy, guys? <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. Uh, kudos to my parents. Also, if you have Eastern European parents, you're a little scared of them. Like I know yeah. it's not cool to raise kids now to be a little bit fearful of you, but right. it was back then. Totally. And so, no. I didn't go there. And I didn't know I had money oh. until I was 18. Oh, right. Because it's in a trust. They put it in a trust. I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know what it was. My dad took care of my finances. He took care of everything. I think I turned 18, 19. I think it may be 19. And he turned to me and goes, I no longer can take care of your finances. We're going to meet with business managers. if It's now surpassed my skill. And wow. I went, what? How much money do I have? <laughs> oh, my God. Had no clue. I lived off of my parents. Wow. I would come home and be like, I need 20 bucks. And they'd be like, here you go. I never did this for money. I never knew how much money I was making. It was never a thing for me. And I'm a not, it still isn't. I don't care. That I don't like amazing. We could not be more unalike. <laughs> <laughs> I did it all for money. <laughs> it's all God damn it. it. <laughs> all right. Well, so let's, let's talk about because, so you got the, you, you did the showcase, you got your manager, Susan, yeah. and- then you're off and running, you're getting commercials, you're getting, you know, bit parts on TV shows. And then comes that 70s show. Now, I read about this, which is now sort of famous Hollywood lore, was yeah. that they were requiring everyone to be 18 there. And you were 14. And you told them what? Okay. So it's become this legendary story. Yes. But let me break it down. Okay. Pilot season. And it's not popular to do this now, but back then when you were an actor, you were whatever they wanted you to be. Okay. Mm -hmm. I would audition yes. and they were like, we're looking for somebody who is Asian. And I'm like, cool. I'm totally Asian. Like, totally. <laughs> I, I got this. It didn't matter. Okay. Yes. You just yeah. kind of went anywhere and everywhere. So during, I got another show when I got 70s show. Same day I got 70s. Ooh. I got a different show. Can you um, tell us it was one? called... Oh. Uh, oh, that popular, Sunset huh? Beach? It's no oh. longer on the air. Yeah, Sunset mm. Beach. I remember, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> or no, I'm thinking of China Beach. I don't remember Sunset oh, Beach. Oh, maybe actually. you're right. It was, a day, it was a daytime soap opera. Oh, okay. yes. Okay. Yeah, I don't know okay. that. I got that show. And my manager was like, you're not taking the show. Let's do this final audition tonight. We're going to see what happens here. So the things always back then were like, they need to be legally emancipated or over 18 because of working hours. That was the, right. so it's why all the characters, all the actors were always older playing younger. Right. So when I went in for my initial audition, they were like, hold it. And I was like, I'll be 18. Like, don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> it's fine. And then of course you go to the callback, callback, callback. By the time you get to producer or whatever it was at the time, producer or network call, you have to sign your contract before you even get in. So they knew that I needed a studio teacher. 
So when I went in for my producer call, they already kind of, I already put it in there, or not I, but it was already put in that I needed a studio teacher. And the casting director called back and I remember him going, how old is she? <laughs> she's like, she's 14. <laughs> I, I want to point out something to the writers because this is a writing podcast that I see it from the other perspective where you, where you say the actors want to be known as 18 because then they, there are fewer restrictions on what they can and can't do. But as, as a writer or showrunner, what you want to do is employ a lot of kids so that you can throw back at the studio and network. Hey, it's kid time. We got to shoot. We got to move. No, we can't do the changes. No, we can't bring them back. No, it's it's all done. We can't do any more. We only have an hour because of kid time. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. my last show, I, I that was the best was we had a kid and I was able to just use the Navigate phrase kid that? time as a magic <laughs> as a magic spell to make everything stop. Yeah. Yeah. They need <laughs> to get tutoring. I never thought of that. Yeah. Um, I just worked with kids like little kids in a movie recently. And uh, it was lovely. Yeah. Like, because you're working on their time frame, yeah. and it becomes like this magical, <gasps> guys, I also just for the first time worked with an actor who had it in his contract. I've never, this has never happened, okay? It was a 10 hour work day. Oh. Like, so, my, so it was like door to door 10 hours. And I was like, oh, this is magical. <laughs> like, do that? I was like, this is the greatest work day for me of all time. Because... <laughs> He he's wrapped. I'm like, bye. <laughs> wow. Well, you, you do you do know that your Family Guy work days are like 25 minutes. No, they're not even that out. I yeah, was going to say. If I stopped talking, they would be like closer to five minutes. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's you know. Yeah, it's just reading it's like, true. what are you doing today, Dad? And that's a wrap on Mila. <laughs> so all right, so you now you're you're on that 70s show. Yeah. And that was like that feels like really the last wave of network shows that could get crazy popular. And that's exactly what that show did. So now I know you said you weren't really aware of the money because your dad was taking care of that for you, but you must have been aware of the popularity of it. Like it, because it, it kind of, I feel like it was a show that even I, who was kind of maybe too old to be watching it, I enjoyed that show. And I feel like it really caught on with a lot of people. Were you... Did you feel that? Did you get, you know, kind of like star treatment back then? No. I mean, I guess well, hindsight 2020, yes. But no, not in the moment. Like going to the Emmys for the first time was like, wow. Like the experiences that it gave me were like extraordinary. Yeah. But I still went to public school. Right. So, and I'm not a transplant when it came to living in LA. So it wasn't like I came to LA to be an actor. Like I, all my right. friends were all my friends since I was nine. They were all doing schoolwork. I would go to seventies and rehearse and do all that in the same time frame that they were in public school. And then after seventies and after their school, we would hang out at the park. Like Amazing. my life stayed the same. It didn't yeah. change. It's just that eight to three where kids are in school. I was in 70 show. And I did school then. And then they would finish school and my parents would drop me off. But back in the day, it was this park called Plummer Park in West Hollywood. And they would drop me off at Plummer Park and my friends would get dropped off at Plummer Park and we would bum around the park until the sun came down. And then someone's parents would come pick us up and drop us off. Like, oh, I love it. I led so a there, very normal, normal. life. Yeah. So there wasn't like paparazzi or anything at that time for you or? Towards the, like, no, it was, I was so, I've talked about this and I was, I feel so grateful that this all happened 
in that little time frame when social media didn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. Paparazzi thing was just becoming obnoxious, but not yet what it was. So my growth to that was like 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. And then around 19 is when like the Perez Hilton's thing started. Yeah. And that yeah. all began. And then like I would go to a club and there would be paparazzi outside, but it would be like four guys. It just wasn't the same thing as it is what it later became. Yeah. 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 Well, because I'm sure you have to deal with that a lot now, you know, ironically. Yeah. Now- yeah, because they must they must follow you two around wherever you guys go. Um, all right, so you had a, a great and seemingly kind of a normal kid experience, just with a with a TV show inserted in the in the middle of it, which is is kind of crazy. And tell us about the first time that you met with Seth, because we we alluded to this a little earlier in the show, but originally the voice of Meg was uh, Lacey Chabert. And the at least the story I was told, maybe you have the real version of it, was that her parents didn't approve of the show. They yanked her off, and that was your opportunity. Was that the way it unfolded in your eyes, or how did the family guy part of it uh, come into focus for you? I auditioned for it. Like, it was like I was doing 70s, and my manager was like, there's this voiceover thing. Do you want to audition for it? And I was like, no, that that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> so, it hadn't aired yet. It wasn't like a thing. It was like mm-hmm. you guys... I think that the season was recorded and it was about to premiere after the Super Bowl. Yep. So the show had like this, this like spotlight on it, but it hadn't happened yet. And so I went in and auditioned for the show and I had to be driven there because I was not 16. Yeah. Right? Awesome. And I think it's a really much better question for McFarlane as to like why he hired me. Right. I don't know. To be honest, I have no skills. I did my voice. I was... It's not like I did another voice. I just came in and I just chit-chatted and did my voice. And Maybe his thing was like, slow down. Yeah. Slow down. Like, that's all he kept telling me. And so I came back in audition again and he was like, Mila, slow down. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know how. Um, <laughs> but then he hired me. Yeah. I don't know why. I like it. Well, I, so, by the way, perfect, so right. grateful for this job. Like you have no idea. <laughs> well, believe me, one hand washes the other because you're great at it. So and good. you now by your profile, you raise the profile of the show just by being on it. Um, but I've heard fr- from Seth's side, you you say from his perspective, I, I think what, what he would say is that they were casting for a 15-year-old girl and you are a 15-year-old girl. And so yeah. it just felt authentic to him um right. so yeah. can you the the choice you made of just being yourself was clearly uh the right one for yeah. that moment but then about Lacey as to why yeah I was told she didn't want to say oh my god yes I knew it was something that had to do with like her religion yeah. Oh. She was offended by, oh, my God. And I was like, and then, of course, I, two scripts in, I was like, well, she's offended by, oh, my God. This, <laughs> like, how she, this girl can't do the show. Like, right, right. You know, like, if the words, oh, my God, are offensive, what about the content? Like, yeah. It's pretty <laughs> limiting in, in the show business career to not be able to have a character be surprised and say, oh, my God. Right. I know. <laughs> but, you know, there are those actors that don't do sure. certain things. Because of um, religious... Their beliefs. Yes. Yeah. All right. So you now you, you've got that 70s show. You're on Family Guy. And you had been in uh, movies, but as you said, they were kind of forgettable. Wh- when did you 
make the the you know did you talk to your manager and say hey i'd really like to branch out into movies or did opportunities just start to naturally come your way so during 70s so 14 to 21 right whatever it was 14 21 Mm -hmm. 22 whatever we wrap 70s uh we'll call it up until 18 up until 18 i did 70s and i was still in school so during hiatus weeks when other people were able to go shoot movies do things i went back to school so At all times, I was like, school or 70s? I really had very limited option to do something else. Right. Then once I graduated high school, I was like, oh, I have like a slight window of opportunity now that I can go and shoot other things. But everything had to kind of lay into these little tiny windows of time. So if if I auditioned for something else and I got it, 70s has the right to say no, which they did. Right. They would say, no, you can't, you can't do that. That doesn't, we can't make the schedule or we can't make the schedule or whatever. Oh, it sucks. Right? It's it's it all turned out okay, you know. Yeah. But like yeah. Ashton went off and did films. Tove, everybody went off and ended up doing movies and stuff. And I was like, kind of doing them, but I was living my best life, guys. Again, I was like, this is amazing. I had no. I problem. love that. Yeah. Seventies. No, then I'm turned eighteen, and then I was like, I was going to college. So I did the whole thing. I did my SATs. I did my applications. I got into the colleges, and I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to go to college now, and. Uh, <laughs> It lasted one day. <laughs> I cried. Oh, wait, was and this I, at UCLA? Nope. I, but I did summer. I did the Zionist theory course there for okay. summer. And I was like, I can't, don't, that's no. So I went to LMU. Okay. Private in LA. And I was still shooting 70. So my schools, although I applied to schools outside of LA just to see if I can get in. So it was more like, I want to see if I can get into this one really fancy school just to yes. like ego boost myself. Yeah. But then I had to stay in LA. So I looked at LMU and I was like, okay, I guess I'll go to LMU. I didn't really want to go to LMU. Like, I didn't want to go to college. Like, yeah. I didn't want to do this. And I had to work and I had to be at work by like 10 a.m. So I had to take like a 6.30, 7 across. Like, the whole Ugh, thing was a hot awful. mess. Yeah. yeah. So I went to my parents and I was like bawling. Uh-huh. I was like, I'm so sorry. Okay, I want to really do this and I don't want to go to school. And they were like, calm down. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, defer. I'll defer. And my dad was like, okay. Or So I deferred until I was 26. And then my dad ultimately came to me and was like, can I stop paying your deference fee? And I was like, oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> that. But when I, when I made that decision at 18 to not go to college, I was still doing 70s. But my parents were like, if this is going to be your career, if this is a choice that you're making, then, then you better make this like a real choice. And yeah. I was like, this is what I want to do. I swear, I swear, I swear. So Great. 70s ended when I was whatever, my early 20s. And at that point, it was like one of those where you were either a TV actor or you were a film actor. Right. You couldn't be both at the time. Yeah. And if you were TV and you got to film, you sure as hell aren't going to go back. Like right. it was like looked down upon. Like, right. oh, once you're doing movies, television was like ick, right? Yeah. And so I was like, what am I going to do? And I had this like chip on my shoulder of proving people wrong my whole life. And so I was like, I'm going to prove fucking people wrong. I'm going to see what I can do outside of television. Because that was easy and I got it. So I had I to go it. and audition again. And I auditioned for anyone and everyone that was willing to see me. I had no problems. I was like, I'll fucking read for anybody and everybody. And it was Judd Apatow. And I read for him for uh, the Seth Rogen, Catherine Heigl movie. Yeah, Knocked Up. up. Knocked, Knocked Up. up. Yeah. I read for Knocked Up, which was like an extensive um, audition process that was all improv based. And I had the best time. I was like, <laughs> this is so much fun. I could just talk, 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 talk. Right? It was great. Um, I didn't end up getting it. Catherine Heigl got it. A year later, I got a call from Jive being like, hey, will you do me a favor and do a table read? 
for this project I'm thinking of doing. And I was like, of course. Yeah. You're no dummy. (laughs) Also, like, why not? Yeah. So I go and I do the table read for for getting Sarah Marshall. Yeah. Uh, Applause, applause, applause. Awesome. Yes. But different. Okay. It was just um, Jason Siegel and myself that remained. Ah. Very different table read. So I did table read. Never hear from them ever again. Okay. Like, Mm. done. And a year later, maybe, I got a call of like, hey, would you consider doing this movie? And I was like, hell yeah, movie in Hawaii. <laughs> I'm in. I didn't even care. Didn't read the script. Didn't care. I was like, it's Hawaii. Yes. This would be awesome. And then that's how it all started. Well, that's Amazing. a great story. And I by the way, y- you were fantastic in that movie. And that movie was so fun. And you just really shone on screen there. So I think that was, I mean, a great ending to, to that but I'll tell you, hold on, but Alec, here's how it yeah. all comes full circle. So Sarah Marshall was all because of Judd. I will give Judd Avatar credit where credit is due, and it is yeah. fully, thoroughly him, 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 him. Black Swan was also because of Sarah Marshall. So Really? The, yes. How? If you talk to Darren, he saw Sarah Marshall. That's I mean, Darren, Darren Aronofsky, Aronofsky, right, Aronofsky. the director. Yeah. He saw Sarah Marshall, and this was uh, so long ago, and this was before anybody Zoomed, okay? Yeah, yeah. So... He saw it. He was making this movie with Nat. He called, well, the agents called. They're like, hey, this movie, would you be interested in meeting for it? And I was like, I'm not fucking flying to New York for a meeting. I can't, I'm not that rich. Like, I was like, no, I live in LA. Like, I'm not fucking flying to New York for a meeting. And I was like, but I'll Skype with him. Ooh. And they're like, what? And I was like, just ask him if he'll Skype. And Darren was like, of course I'll Skype. And this oh, yeah. way before anybody did any of this stuff. And that's, yeah. and so when you talk to Darren, he was like, I saw Sarah Marshall and that's how all this kind of happened. Can I tell that's a quick, so cool. can I tell, interject yeah, just a quick story? So I was in a, in a class, this was in, in late nineties called acting for comics in New York city with Joanna Bexon. And it was just for people who wanted to dip their toe in Meisner technique. So I become friends with this guy in the class and he's like, Oh, I'm making a movie. And I'm like, I'm making a <laughs> yeah. motion with my hand. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I bet you are. <laughs> And then he's like, uh, always like at the end of class, he's like, I got to go edit my movie. And he's talking about a stupid movie. (laughs) And so anyway, cut to like three months later, that movie wins Sundance. It's pie. And it was Darren Aronofsky (laughs) taking acting for comics with me. Oh, my God. That's a great And I've never talked to him since. I left him a message congratulating him. He never returned. <laughs> he could sense your jerk-off motion and your, your look to him. That's hilarious, by the way. Yeah. I, love, I love the idea of – because you call Darren Aronofsky. He's a serious director. Yes. I love the idea of serious directors like, hey, I saw Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I thought it was – you know, it's like you picture like P.T. Anderson like, oh, I loved uh, the 40-year-old virgin. Let's get this person. But it's true. They all watch each other's work. But, but Darren all- is not like he's – Darren, when we ended up becoming friends, the first movie Darren and I went to go see was Twilight. In the- <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's it amazing. like Darren is very – fun and funny and like I hate ruining his reputation but like he's so of all the people do you know what I mean like yeah like he just loves movies like he loves all forms of entertainment like he loves family guy like he loves he just loves film and television do you know what I mean like he's not yeah yeah but he ended up building this reputation where people are like, ooh, he's so serious. Yes. When I was being pressed, I was like, oh, yeah, he's so serious. But I didn't know how to be like, not really, but I guess so. <laughs> right? Like, I didn't know how to answer it. <laughs> so let's talk about Black Swan uh, for a minute because obviously that that movie 
got a lot of attention. It was nominated, won awards. You were nominated and praised, and as as well as Natalie. What was making that movie like for you? Um, that, that's a whole conversation that can take up an hour. Nobody <laughs> wanted to make that movie. Nobody wanted to give that movie money. It lost finances more than I can count. Okay, like wow. Somebody should do a study on how this movie was just made, not the end result, but like the little movie that could. Black Swan took probably 10 years to get made. It was really? a that Darren found, that he loved, that he went after Nat for while she was still, if I recall correctly, at, at school, in college. That's how long ago this started. And she was like, I don't know. I don't, you know what I mean? Like it was like a whole process. Then finally Nat signed on. Then no one wanted to make this movie. They were like, no one's going to give you money. So then they kind of got money. Then I signed on. Then in the midst of me rehearsing, like doing all the dance stuff, we lost all our money. Then somehow he managed to find more money. Then like the day before production started, we lost money again. Then he like managed to find it somehow. I mean, it was hobbled together. So for anyone to ever say like movies are easy to make, like F you, no, they are not. Like there's no science. (laughs) There's no like rhyme or reason for it. It It's the hardest thing to get made. We had no money. We were shooting in New York. I guess I can say now. We barely had any permits to legally shoot. I'm pretty great. <laughs> Uh-oh, <Shot>. busted. <laughs> yes, it was shot illegally. I promise you. I would get I believe calls. you. We were like in our 20s, so I would like to say we were all young and like had no responsibilities. There's no way I could do this today. Right. Yeah. Then you'd get a call at like 11 o'clock at night and be there. And he's like, listen, if you can get down to whatever it was, like Lafayette and third, we're going to shoot real quick. And I was like, all right, I'll be right there. And then like you kind of just like run down and you shoot illegally in a subway with Maddie Lee Boutique, who ended up becoming this amazing DP after Black Swan. He would have his camera like this in the subway station. And like (laughs) our our department would run around on a live subway and like cover up all the posters with fake posters because it was also Nat's face while we were shooting. She had some movie coming out. And so you would see Natalie Portman, like, on this. So they would have to, like, cover that up. That's and then Maddie would, like, shoot like this. And he'd be like, just look natural. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just going to shot. Like, it was the most incredible experience that you could not do replicate today. Like, right. I, I don't know how you would ever do it. That's yeah. amazing. It sounds so That's New York, a, too. It doesn't, you would never know that watching the finished product, by the way. Because like, everybody involved is extraordinary. I mean, you had Darren Aronofsky, you had Maddie, who was, who is a stunning director of photography. I mean, you, he's beautiful. Everybody that worked on production did it because they loved filmmaking, not because they expected an end result that was ever going to be what it became. I mean, ever. Ever. I love I love that you yeah. call Natalie Portman Nat because, because when you first said that I was thinking to myself I'm like did Nat Faxon write that and I just forgot <laughs> oh I like Fax- yeah Faxon Rash no <laughs> Natalie Portman sorry yeah and so are you still friendly with her yeah yeah she's a good person to work with I never worked with somebody who wasn't I've been super oh. lucky I was talking to somebody about it like I've had the best of luck when it comes to female co stars that have been lovely human beings. Um, I love that. I don't even think I've worked with a shitty male co-star, to be honest. Oh, that's nice to hear. Well, speaking of that, speaking of of co-stars, Book of Eli, which I really loved, a dystopian, cool movie with with Denzel. I mean, were you pinching yourself working with Denzel Washington? I think the whole experience is so surreal. Like, 
I don't even know where to begin on that one. It was it was an interesting circumstance. I won't say the name of the movie. Okay. I had I was attached to a different movie. Right. A very big movie. Ooh. Okay. A mm. comedy. And Ooh. then I got Book of Eli. I auditioned for Book of Eli. And I auditioned for this other movie. And I got this other movie. And then I subsequently got Book of Eli. And I didn't know what to do. And I was like, oh my God, I committed to this one project. But how do you turn down Denzel? Like, I was like, you I've can't. never, like, how's that in your career? Like, I was like, oh my God, what do I do? My agent at the time got a call from Denzel. And I can't do a good Denzel impersonation, but the like, <laughs> but Meg can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Great callback. Yeah, Goldie. Um, <laughs> essentially, Denzel to my agent was like, "You know the right decision." Like he was being Denzel. So my yes. agent was like, "I just got a call from Denzel. You're doing Denzel's movie," and I was like, "Yeah." Oh, <laughs> um, He's like, "I think Denzel threatened me. You're doing the movie." <laughs> I mean, yeah, Denzel Washington. So. Yeah. You know, it's like three months and you're shooting in these extraordinary locations and everything just feels so big. And it was the biggest budgeted movie I've ever done in my life. And the, and you had Gary Oldman, you had Denzel Washington. And I kept going, one of these things is not like the other. And it's me. <laughs> and I was there and I was like, how did I get here? Like, it was not lost on me. Okay. Yeah. It was surreal. But I loved working with Denzel. I had absolutely the greatest experience. Oh, but I'll tell you a good Denzel Washington story. Please. So, I mean, it's not that good, but it's it's good for like the timeline of the, of the world. Okay. So we were shooting Book of Eli during when Obama became president. And it was Ooh. like this big thing. I was like, oh my God, Barack Obama is president. This is so big in the world. <laughs> and all of a sudden they're like, okay, so uh, Denzel's not going to be here on Friday. He'll be back Monday. And I was like, where's he going? And they're like, oh, to DC for Obama's inauguration. And I oh. went, Washington. And so then he came back on Monday and I was like, you need to tell me everything about it. Like, what's Barack Obama like? I want to know all the details. So that's the type. He's lovely. Lovely. And oh. he's like, oh, kid, he's great. You're going to love it. You know, whatever. Great. I love it. That is so cool. And he's uh, obviously he's such a legend. Now, do you um, do you read uh, reviews? Because I've noticed that in in reading your reviews, critics are always very kind to you. They they love you in movies. So do you read that and you're like, yes, or do you just kind of try and ignore it and just do your job? I, I don't read any reviews. They don't get sent to me. Oh, well, they're very good. I'll send you some. <laughs> <laughs> in case you're interested in I some of I have a your... really good ego, Alec. Like, I feel really good about myself. I really oh, like myself. I don't want what's to that like? like myself. <laughs> <laughs> Well, good for you for that. Okay, so now we we come to the crown jewel of your career, of course, which is Ted. Um, (laughs) Now, was that something because you have, you know, such a great relationship already in place with Seth where he was like, hey, you want to do this? And you're like, sure, Seth. Do you know the real story? And are you asking me for the the story or do you not know the real story? I don't think that I do or I don't recall it right now. This is where I wish McFarlane was here because, you know, it's so long ago. There's like gaps in my memory when it comes to this. Ted took a while to get made. Yes. And that from the, in, the original incarnation of Ted to where it ended up, I aged by a couple of years. Okay. Yeah. So in the, when it started, the casting process started for how do you put Ted together? I think I was like 22, three. Yeah. And then by the time we shot Ted, or maybe not, but you know what I'm saying? Like, however old I was, I was like 25 when we shot Ted, whatever okay. I was, years passed. Right. So when you guys started casting Ted, McFarlane would come to me and be like, 
give me like an actor. Like who's a great actress that I can cast for this one part? <laughs> and McFarlane and I for a year played this game and I'd be like, what about that person? What about that oh person? My God. Like, and kept giving Name him, like, anyone but you. Because <laughs> yeah. she was, was too never, young at the time. Nowhere near, I, not even like offended by it. I was just like, it's never going to be. Like it wasn't right. even like a thought in my mind that it was ever, 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 ever going to be me. Okay? Right. Ever. I kept going like different actresses that I knew that I was like, oh, they're really funny. They're really good. They're funny. Years go by. And then he finally turned to me and goes, well, would you do it? <laughs> I was like, Aww. oh, I guess so. I was like. <laughs> Yeah, right, fine, I'll do it. it was I love years it. later, or at that's least a year to two years later. Well, that's amazing. And and you probably know because you remember this part of it. It wasn't originally supposed to be Mark Wahlberg. It was supposed to be Will, Will Ferrell and then Seth Rogen and then I Ryan know. Reynolds. All in the office, Alec. They would come to the office to meet with him. And it was yeah. like, we went through so many different, you know. Yeah. I remember he met... Uh, your uh, co-star, Justin Timberlake, who came into the office, and Seth, you know, being Seth, who's sort of like the, you know, 40-plus-year-old version of a 90-year-old man, he meets Justin Timberlake kind of wanting to be not impressed by him. And so I remember everyone in the office was a buzz when Justin Timberlake sure. came in because he was at the peak of his, you know, sexy back and all that kind of stuff. He couldn't have seen, been nicer to everybody, said hello and afterwards, when he left, I said, I was like, what What was he like? What, what, what did you think? Is he going to be good for the movie? He's like, I ah, kind of did that thing where he picked his nose with his I thumb a little bit. I can tell the same story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> That's I was like, are you serious? That's why you're going to disqualify this charming man? <laughs> Wait, he just went like I, Alex, this? I, he told me the same thing. He did this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was like, ugh, by that. Yeah, I was like, that you're was... crazy. I remember going. You're wrong. Like you're just wrong. Like, yeah. But all the, all the dominoes fell into place there because you and Mark were ended up being just perfect for that movie. And I think I uh, I remember you know sitting on the set there and and you were there and and we're watching this movie get made, but there's no Ted to look at. It's just a guy holding these two silver balls that are going to be like the CG, you know, template for where Ted was. So Certainly, leading up to the finished product, I was quite skeptical as to like I don't know if this is gonna work at all. You know, like I they, we we you didn't see the bear, and then the minute you saw the bear in the movie was when I was kind of like, oh, okay, this <laughs> this it. can work. Did you have that same experience? Were you on set like I don't know what this is, and then when you kind of saw the finished product, you're like, oh. I'm on set like that every day. I like, in, in <laughs> movie, like you can't control anything in the edit bay. You know, like you kind of are there and you're like, well, I hope this gets Frankenstein together. Like in forget having like an animated character in a movie. Yeah. Any movie you don't every day. You're like, well, I don't know what I did that day. I hope this makes sense in the edit room. Like, you yeah. Don't know. yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. that one turned out great. And we were so thankful to have you in that. And Seth obviously hey. made a great call. Having you in there because, again, the reviews you don't read, they were all like, Mila shines. And she could have just been the naggy girlfriend, but her charm and winning ways, all that kind of stuff. I argued about the nagginess a lot. Yeah, because he asked me for my notes and I couldn't find the script. He goes, what would, like, he's like, do you have your script with your notes? And I was like, I have to find him because he was so curious to know what my notes were for the character. Because I write all my, like, thoughts or whatever on the side of the lines. And I would argue with him every day. Like at one point there was a crying scene 
And he wanted her to do this thing where I was like, no, she's not a, no, she's not that annoying person. We're not doing this shit. She Thank got you. her shit. Like, I remember arguing this with him all the time. Yeah. Yes. Well, whatever, whatever the, uh, the alchemy was there, it came out right. Um, I am so happy. I love Ted. Yeah. No, so did, so did I. Um, now. Right. The second, Alec. What's that? Did you work on the second? I did. As wow. did Goldie. What, what's that? Wow. Oh, she's asking, did I work on the second? Like it was such That's a like asking, hey, do you still do stand up? And you're like, uh, yeah. No, because I don't, you know what? Like sometimes people don't always go and do the sequels. No, That's no, believe me. Writers don't write the sequels. Oh, I was, I was uh, chomping at the bit to do that sequel. Have you seen the second one? I didn't. I was so upset over the fact of what happened that I refused what to happened? watch it. What happened? What happened? Um, well, nothing bad happened. That came out really dramatic. But I think yeah, I was sure so did. annoyed at the reason why I didn't do it. it had to do with um, the stereotypical Welcome to Hollywood where somebody was oh, yeah, yeah, and I wasn't. And I was like, fuck that. Like, I'm not putting myself a two yeah. to one. Like, not okay anymore. Yeah, so we and, can explain that. There, there was a, a, a sexist pay imbalance, let's yeah. say, there in, oh. in that in the when coming to the sequel where – Mark Wahlberg was going to be making X, which was quite high, you know, and then I'm sure their offer to you was insulting by comparison. It was, it was, yes, exactly. And so I was like, that's not nice to do. Like, you can't do that. That's not nice. And so I was so annoyed. Okay. I fully yeah. out of spite. I was like, I'm not watching <laughs> a fucking movie. Well, I, I'll give you a key. If you want to watch the first half hour, that's very funny. The minute they get into a courtroom, you can turn it off. Oh. <laughs> as, oh. I, as, as I tell Goldie all the time on here, the one scene I wrote that was not touched at all, never cut, edited, was the courtroom scene that's incredibly boring. <laughs> so, I'm, well, now I'm, I'm going to watch No, it. you have this uh, <laughs> hilarious animated bear who can do anything. Let's put him in court. <laughs> That's what people want to see. Uh, Fun-loving drunk bear sober in a suit in court. <laughs> and by the way, Goldie by this time was was fully ensconced in the McFarlane universe. So he was like the main punch-up guy there on set. And so he was there to tell us every day these little things. When we're filming in court, he's like, this is a great scene. Oh, <laughs> longer. Let's make it longer. <laughs> What's the one thing people will go any length to avoid in their lives? Jury duty. Let's make the movie jury duty. <laughs> they just made a whole show, Goldie. Called I know. Yeah, I know. It's, a, it's a funny show. It was show. good. Yeah, they good. did a good job with that. Uh, well, Mila, we, we certainly missed you in that second movie. Not that Amanda Seyfried isn't a lovely person he's because fantastic. she is. She like, is. She is. It's, she's great. Well, I think it's like if you, if you know, it's, it's an important thing from a writing perspective. When you do something to follow up on something, the thing people liked was the original thing, and they want to see a different version of the original thing. It's like if you go to a restaurant and you go, I love this restaurant, I love the lasagna, and you go back and, and they say, well, you know, uh, we, we have like a new program, and it's all like Asian-themed, and you're like, but the lasagna was what, why yeah, I'm here. You know, yeah. I, I think I, I think there's the a bait lasagna. and switch a little bit. You were the yeah. lasagna. <laughs> yeah, the comfort food. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you're yes. the lasagna in that scenario, <laughs> Mila. And proudly, proudly. All right, so now let's talk a little bit. I don't know if he's still in the room, but you, you now you're you're married with Ashton. You guys have uh, a great relationship. You're one of the awesome Hollywood power couples. Um, but Ashton, I always see kind of. You know, he'll he'll go on Ellen and, and you see him and he's like 
always involved in like new tech and he's kind of at the forefront of a lot of cool things. Is that something that you guys discuss or does he come home and say like, hey, I'm I'm involved in this thing now? Or do, do you talk to him about that stuff or do you kind of keep your world separate in that way? No, we we have nothing separate. We live a very healthy codependent lifestyle. We have nothing, <laughs> nothing separate. Um, he runs, I think it's something close to like a billion dollar accumulative fund. So like, there's, it's not, it's like a, you know, there's a, there's a sustainability fund. There's an AI fund. There's like the, the, the other funds. So there's always companies that he's hearing about. And if he thinks there's something really cool or innovative, yeah, it's really fun to talk to him about it. You know, does he have a Jewish writer fund? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, it's, it's, his industry is fascinating. It's yeah. wonderful. I mean, you know, it's great. I, I, I love it because he's the perfect example of like, Oh, he's more than a pretty face because yeah, he's like yeah. he could have easily just been like a Hollywood, you know, handsome guy, you know, vapid, nothing. But he does all this cool stuff. So I think Clearly, that's awesome. When he's smart. on Shark Tank and you see him spending money, are you like not on that, please? Or are you no, like, I get that? Why, why you took the role. Did you? Yeah, because I was pregnant and I was watching Shark Tank on Friday nights and I was like this I was like I love the best thing show. I love the best that show. show so then we had our kiddo and I was like hey please go on Shark Tank for me he's like I'm not going on Shark Tank and I was like please 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 I love the show so much and so he was like fine like honestly he's like I'll go on Shark Tank and I was like yay and so, so my cute. daughter at the time was six months old seven months old and then we went with him to the taping but you know they shot it all in one day but we yeah. went and I was like, it was all, it was all for me. It was oh, all. Oh, for that's me. so romantic. That's sweet of him. Now, <laughs> speak, speaking of that, let's just giggle here for a minute. Don't. Do you remember Seth's oh, appearance God. on Shark Tank? No, I didn't even know. No. <laughs> I'll send you a link. <laughs> Goldie no. does. Yeah. No, Is it Seth, great? Seth was on Shark Tank because I think he got, I can't, I think it was a million ways to die in the West. There was a horse wrangler on, on a million ways to die in the West who, you know, Seth had to learn how to be comfortable on a horse or with horses. So he developed a relationship with this guy who was the horse wrangler. And suddenly this horse wrangler guy starts talking to him about his product idea, which was, Goldie, correct me on the specifics of this. It was like something to do with like trapping horse It was a poop. paper cone to put over horse manure so that flies won't get on the manure. But of course, the sharks then pointed out like, you could just pick up the manure. <laughs> And then you won't have any flies. And also, like, most people aren't dealing with just, like, loose manure. As a pro <laughs> you know, like, the scalability of it didn't seem to be great. But he, the guy dragged Seth, like, oh. got Seth to agree somehow yeah. to be on the show with him, dragged Seth out onto the show... And there was that awkward moment because Seth is famous primarily for his voices, especially at this point, where... You bring Seth out and everyone's, you know, theoretically going to be like, oh, my God, it's Seth MacFarlane. But you could tell the sharks didn't really know who he was. <laughs> They're like, why are you and here? And then he, he kind of had to do like a, a little tap dance, like with a Stewie voice until finally they were like, oh, OK, what's this product? Like one of the people that, that was giving money, no, he was pushing no. the product. He yeah. was pushing the product. Was, oh, my so God, I need to watch this. I'm yeah, so you excited. Gotta, I'll send yeah. JC, yeah, send her the link to that because it was really worth watching. Um, that was fun. All right, so cool. And you guys, 
recently, uh, I don't know if it's recent anymore, within the last couple of years, built this really cool house in Hollywood that I'm hearing all about sustainability and all this kind of stuff. So tell me a little bit about how that happened. Um, our third child was yeah. uh, conceived nine years ago all and right. was born four years ago. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, so Ashton, many, many, many moons ago, bought a piece of land in Los Angeles. Probably 20 years ago, he bought a really large piece of land in LA. Smart. Smart. Again, Um, proving he's smart. I I got pregnant and we were living at the time in like a house that's like a death trap. It was, it would kill, it almost killed our dogs and it was definitely going to kill a baby. Was it like Like, mold? No, no, no. It was just dangerous. Very dangerous house. It was like the stairs were like these floating stairs, like things. It's just not, wasn't for smaller objects. Right. And I was like, we can't raise a child in this house. This is like, this is not safe. So we're like, okay, let's look at houses. We're, we, have to, we should move. And what happened was, I think two actors being together just draws a lot more attention than if it's just like one actor and then one right, like non-actor person, right? Like a, a yeah. person that has a, 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 another job. Yeah. Him and I together was not fun in the real world. Like we all of a sudden had, it was just not safe. So we started looking at houses. They had to be a gate behind a gate behind a gate because it was just too much. Um, They're like stalkers and crazy people. It just became wild. Yeah. Yeah. So we were like, where do we go? Where do we go? We ultimately decided, let's just build. What's the worst that can happen? I was pregnant. We hired our architect. We started the whole process. My daughter now is almost nine. And we moved in in October of 2019. Wow. Um, Wow. And we built our dream house. We had the greatest time building it, designing it. It was exactly as we want to live our life, which is isolated, away from other people, <laughs> and, uh, and you know, for our kids and our family. Aww. And then COVID hit. Yeah. And so yeah. we have now really lived this house. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't think anyone expects to. Like, I'm not complaining. I love my house. Yeah. We have lived it. <laughs> um, it's extraordinary. Yes, it's as sustainable as any house can possibly be. We have a well. We have... Oh fields we grow you know not well because i don't i'm not like a guard like the best at a green thumb but i try to be so i have like orch i have like trees fruit trees i have tomatoes strawberries blueberries we have tons of fruit we were growing corn sunflowers like you know off as much off the grid as possible amazing we have uh personal animals we have two dogs and two birds and then our wildlife is foxes, mountain lions, bobcats, and bunnies, and coyotes, and deer. Oh, Ooh, wow. bunnies beware. I know. That crew. I know. Yeah. Somehow they have survived. And I, well, they're fast. Yeah, but so is the fox. So <laughs> also, I didn't know there were foxes. I'm not going to lie. And the fox was only detected about four or five months ago. My daughter was sitting where I'm sitting now. And I just hear, Mom! And I thought something happened, and I turned around, and she comes running, and she's like, that's a fox. And I was like, we don't have foxes, honey. <laughs> it was a fox. Wow. Yeah. Well, that sounds like, I mean, honestly, to, to complete it in October 2019, yeah. now in retrospect, is great timing because to be in that for COVID mm-hmm. seems like the, making the best of a bad situation. Never left. I mean, honestly, we had like, yeah, it was unbelievable. It was like the craziest of timings, truthfully, the craziest, because four months later, the world shut down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we're back at it now. Well, Mila, we we have kept you for quite a while here. We so appreciate you coming to do this. Um, 
We love working with you and we love talking to you today even more. So yeah. Alec, thank can you, you remember so this much. And be this What's nice that? to me next time I record. Can you no, say all these? JC, just record this and then play back at our next record. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'll have it ready. Mila, you're portraying like I'm some kind of a monster. <laughs> we have our little back and forth when you record. That's all it is. <laughs> no, you're the best, Mila. Thank you so much for doing this. Guys, thanks for having yeah, me on. This was you. so delightful. I feel like all oh, awesome. I'm so sorry if I talk too much. I apologize if I like. No, we love this. That's it. why the guest is here. Yes. Yeah, that's talk. right. Yeah. We want you to chit chat. This was yeah. awesome. I'll, I'll All right. Come back anytime. I mean, that's why you come on kissing ass with Alex Sulkin. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, she said we, we might have got drowned out that she'd come back anytime. So we'll see you here next week. Mila Kunis is now the fourth member Co-host. of this podcast. <laughs> I, not, I don't have a job. Uh, there's a writer's strike, so I'm available. <laughs> when are you available? I was like, Monday? I, she was literally like, what about Monday? I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> That was awesome. We love that. Yeah, Instant awesome. gratitude. It was really great. Mila, thank you so thank much. Thank you. Thank you. Nice. Wasn't Mila great? Oh, God, yes. we love her. Thank yes. you, Mila, so for doing amazing. this. Oh, she did not have to, even though I twisted her arm very hard. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into the part of the show that we like to call Top Five. Top Five. Oh, boy. This is great. <laughs> And now, uh, JC, I know this wasn't your topic, but why don't, do you want to kick us off first? Sure. Since that would be the order we'd be in. Sure. Tell us what we're top five and about. So uh, John Viner, who was asked to be a part of last week's podcast, gave yes. us the topic, top five Johns of all Love time. It. Love it. Okay. So uh, my number five is John Cho, the actor. Oh, mm. com- yeah, I, okay. Big fan. Big fan. Yeah. And he's, he's in uh, Harold and Kumar, right? Yes. He's, yeah. yeah no, yes. Um, number four, John Coltrane. Ooh, uh, somebody's cool. Somebody's cool. cool. Edgy. <laughs> okay, number three. I have a feeling this is going to be some overlap, perhaps. John Candy. Oh yeah, boy, this yep. was a tough list. <laughs> tough list. Um, number two for me. He's written my favorite book of all time. Um, John Steinbeck. Oh, that's a good one. Yes. Uh, wow. What's the book? What's the book? East of Eden. Oh, yeah. So uh, you like one of the bigger ones. See, I like the Red Pony. It was like this uh, thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, read that over the summer. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> You're like, I got it. I got it. <laughs> got it. <laughs> of Mice and Men, also very that's short. short. That's a short boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and my number one, John Lennon. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. Okay. Well, All thank right. you. Thank you. Here are my Johns. John, John's. Goldie, I thought about putting you on here, and that's the truth. Nah. Uh, you're the you're the number one John on this podcast for True. sure. Facts. Um, all right, number five for me was Mr. John Williams. Oh, oh the, I mean, just you know, getting carried out of ET. Oh, yeah. like John Williams was a big part of that. <laughs> totally. The sobbing. Uh, number four for me personally was uh, a very tall man, Mr. John Cleese. Nice. I think he's nice. hilarious. Done so many funny things. And uh, as referenced earlier in this podcast, number three for me, John Kennedy. Oh, oh yeah, well, yep. you, are, you do live in the Cape. Yeah, we're yep, we're right here in Kennedy uh, country, even though it's uh, turning red by the day. Uh, number two for me was Mr. John Lennon. Oh, so one away, John Lennon. 
And uh, uh, number one, uh, how, how could this podcast, uh, Ed? Uh, Ed, have you have you heard of this man? Maybe Johnny Carson was number one for me. Nice. Those are my five Johns. Great and now, John, you take it away. Okay. Well, number five is a man who single handedly put this podcast on his back. John Mulaney. Ooh, yeah. I, I thought of him. Oh, God damn you. <laughs> yeah. But don't get too excited, Mr. Mulaney, because number four is John Lovitz. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> Why? That's the ticket. How did, you, how did you even come? To, did you used to love him on SNL? I just think he's really funny. Yeah. He is Every funny. time he is. I see him, I'm laughing too. Yeah. He's and funny. he's, you know, he's bald. So I, you know, and, and, and the <laughs> tiebreaker with Mulaney, I got to go with the bald guy. I have to. <laughs> I have to. It's the only break he's going to get. Uh, number three, Johnny Cash. Ooh, oh, very good one. Very yeah. Nice. Good one. Yes. Number two, John Glenn. Oh, nice. Oh, hero. Hero. Number yes. one. Who could it be? A lot of good candidates. Yes. Number one, John F. Kennedy. Ooh. Wait. Junior. junior. No. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I once a... saw him in the New York City subway Handsome. and literally all the noise went away. Everything stopped. <laughs> and it was like a Greek god was among us. It was one oh. of the most formative moments of my life. Oh, wow. Can I can I can I use an 80s expression? Sure. Did did you cream your jeans? Oh god. god. <laughs> I was definitely playing some pocket pool. <laughs> yeah. You had a friggin' pocket rock. Oh, I love that. Okay, that's a great list. And that's Goldie, what list. do we have next week? Okay. Uh next week. The top five songs by a band, singer, or musician that you otherwise don't like. Oh. Oh, okay. That's great. Very creative. I love it. Yeah. And good for That's you. how you do a song good category. You, yeah. you don't just go, top game. five singer. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I'm, I'm still, and you're right about that, but I'm still pissed at myself from the Bob Seeger one because I meant to get in one of my jokes, which is that Bob's female fans have to be called the Seeger Beavers. <laughs> I've been I've been sitting on it for two weeks. And you forgot. <laughs> forgot. That's where that joke belonged under your butt. <laughs> under my butt. Um, all right, that'll be fun really next great. week. And now let's end the show as we do every week on a high note. <laughs> oh, Tom and Max, thank you for your long laugh. <laughs> um, I'll go first. Uh, Levy um, had her dance recital uh, last week, and she's been doing this dance program for a couple of years now, and each year they have a recital. And this year there was just a marked difference. She was so into it. And she's not someone who, when we watch her do things like play soccer or – Anything like that where she she just doesn't seem particularly into it mm -hmm. a lot. But this dance thing, she was, as the kids used to say, fierce. She's she was fierce. really kind of like going for it. And That's it had awesome. the whole thick Guffman thing of a small town thing yeah. with the woman who put on the show. And it's like, it's not about me. It's about the kids. And then she put herself in like six dance numbers. <laughs> so <laughs> it had that weird. whole thing going at the same time. But I was very proud of Levy, and I think she did an awesome Yay. job. Yay. Nice. That's very nice. nice. Goldie, you go. So uh, I guess mine would be that, uh, you know, you, you have 
kids and then just for a while like everything is really hard but i took my older kid and her friend to the beach this week nice they totally ignored me yes i didn't have to bring any sand toys (laughs) they carried their own stuff whoa at one point they asked me to leave, go get them Starbucks and come back. I didn't do it. But, but the fact was I was able to go out with them right. and not have to like monitor everything. They went to the bathroom by themselves. <laughs> and so I'm finally getting to the stage of life where I've, I've taught a person enough that we can go out in public and I can just completely sit there like a lazy piece of shit. Uh, right. That's the dream. That's relaxing. You're living the dream. That's True awesome. relaxation. Great high note. That's a great high note. Um, okay, so my high note is maybe a two-parter, but the same thing. You know, Scully, Aaron, and obviously John Viner were amazing to work with, but Scully in particular was amazing. Like, yes. uh, just talking to him on almost a daily basis, mm-hmm. working with him. You know, he's an amazing human being. You guys know. We love him. Yes, this is where, as Aaron Lee would What's say. What's he hiding? <laughs> 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 anyway, it was a treat. Um, yeah. And he's, he's a, an amazing guy. And this is, uh, the second part is, thank you guys very much for the spa day. It's like oh, uh, we were listening. Well, <laughs> listening. One, one of us is responsible, and I'll let you determine which one. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. It felt better than sending caviar in the mail. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> Here's just... a fish egg in an envelope. Enjoy. <laughs> um, no, you had a you had a great top five list, and it felt very pointed towards us or Stu. It's so, Stu for sure. Know. Did yeah. I didn't mean to, but it's how it happened. That was great. Great. <laughs> yeah. Um, All right, so um, we're going to get out of here, but just want to remind you listeners, or not even remind you, tell you folks, that next week we're very excited. We have Barstool's Kevin Clancy, a.k.a. KFC, is going to be here on the program. He's absolutely like one of the Avengers, one of the original founding members of that company that has gotten huge, and uh, I have been following Barstool for a long time. Uh, I find it entertaining. I feel like it kind of has this right-wing all-boys sort of undercurrent, which I don't love. But by the way, neither does he. So we'll talk to him about that next week. We're excited to talk to KFC. Um, I want to thank Mila Kunis for being so generous with her time. I want to thank all of you for listening and you two for being awesome. And we will talk to you again next week. Uh, next camera. week. <laughs> that was fun. And it stops right now. Ooh, jets. <laughs> <laughs>